Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are talking about the Star Trek Discovery episode of our Death Fakeout podcast. No! (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about how last week I had so much trouble and I was like, this week I'm doing great. You're like, focus, it's not deep fake. It's our whole podcast. (laughs) It's the whole podcast. Yeah, we've actually rebranded. So we're not talking about Star Trek anymore. We're only talking about death fakeouts for the rest of the time. So I hope you've enjoyed this intro podcast for Star Trek. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Oh, of course, this is for the series, Death Fake Out series. Yeah, and I'm really excited to be here. We are now in the quote unquote new Trek era. Um, I'm so excited to be talking about Discovery today with you, Ashlyn. Yeah, me too. As a whole, kind of going forward, there are not a lot more Death Fake Outs to go. So this is definitely probably the last of our kind of meteor episodes. And oh boy, did we have a bunch of different Death Fake Outs in this one. As usual, Discovery is just throwing in wrench after wrench. The thing is, is Ashlyn and I do a lot of planning for this podcast, and she had to call me like two separate times just so we could talk through these death fakeouts and be sure we wanted some of these in there and then how they would sort of qualify. So this is really amazing. It is. Well, and sometimes I would text her as I was watching an episode and say, there's actually another death fake out in this episode. <laughs> I didn't even notice. So, yeah. oh man, yeah, we have a lot to get into today. But Rihanna, before we do any of that at all, I was kind of curious if you wanted to share your next series now. Maybe I could get it early. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm like literally bursting to say it. Okay, so. great. Oh, at first I thought you were going to be mean and save it till the end of the podcast. No. Nah. <laughs> oh, <phew>. <laughs> That's what I would do, so I'm glad you're not as bad as me. <laughs> oh. Suspense is good, but not for this. Okay, so tell us, what will the next series be? The next series, we are going to be covering all of Star Trek's first officers <gasps> and oh. the first officer position. Oh my god. So, Eddie, so people who maintained the position of first officer or sometimes had to switch or trade, we're going to be so talking about So, you're talking about, about Data. <laughs> <laughs> that came to mind. Data's as well. first officer when so Riker was released. Was released. <laughs> We made a lot of Star Trek songs watching these episodes, and sometimes we'll just sing them. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's the theme. Wow. Well, if you couldn't tell from my audible and like insane gasp when you said it, I am thrilled for this. I think this is going to be amazing, especially because so much of the podcast is automatically focused on captains. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be so much fun to talk about first officers. Also, yeah. Rihanna, I feel like you're kind of um, like little too predictable because all you really want to do is talk about Spock. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a very good selling point for me of, the, of this series. You're absolutely right. My girlfriend called me out on this too. She's like, you just want to talk about Spock. And I was like, true, but also I want to talk about like the position of first officer and how different each character takes this position. 
yeah, I also am just so curious to see how each character takes on the position of first officer and what happens when someone is relieved or someone has to step into this role or down from that role. I don't know. I'm just really excited and I think we're going to have some really interesting takes. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm so hyped for this, Rihanna. I mean, Amazing. I know you're also going to be excited to talk about Chakotay, so that's the other reason I do I it. love <laughs> all the first officers low-key. Like, they're some of the best they're characters. So yeah. Yeah. Huh? Cool. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for that, Rihanna. And thank you for telling us now. Now I have, like, a renewed energy flowing through me. <laughs> yeah, I thought it would, like, get us psyched, and then we talk about death. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to talk about death. Um, so another question for you, Rihanna, if there was a true death from Discovery, like someone did not make it for the whole show, which would affect the crew the most? Okay, so again, I'm biased. Um, for me, it's definitely Saru. I think that Saru is the glue that keeps <laughs> Disco together. <laughs> um he has been such a pillar of strength for the crew for so long and I think the episode where he does go through his Vaharai is just like so difficult because it affects the crew in all these um, complicated ways but yeah I think that I'm also biased because he's my favorite character so like I of course I'm gonna say that but even so thinking about the entirety of the crew he's been there for pretty much the longest and Michael trust him so much and the crew look to him so much and I know a lot of people have qualms about him as a captain but I think even as various types of leadership he's incredible so yeah that is a great answer Saru is the glue honestly yeah. like when you said that I couldn't stop thinking about that rhyme yeah. for, <laughs> for a couple minutes um, it's important to it, remember it is yeah. well also when we did our Voyager and uh D Space Nine podcast and we asked these questions I believe both of us independently said so and so is the glue and yeah. so I feel like we should change our question really to be like so who's the glue, who's the glue? <laughs> yeah <laughs> who's the glue Saru is the glue oh god <laughs> you too Ashlyn who's your glue <laughs> amazing um that is a really really good answer I think it's so easy to say Michael is the glue um and i am gonna say michael <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah i mean you should it's it's a fantastic answer yeah i just think since discovery goes through so many changes of captains like initially i want to say pike because i love and would die for pike um yeah. Lorca because he's so hot but he's a terrible <laughs> captain you know yeah. um but i think really the person who's kept this crew together the most is michael and even when she's gone through her many tra changes and transitions, you know, I mean, we're talking about a character who was a mutineer and then now she's captain and yeah. is like really, like really developed and changed as a person. Um, Discovery would not exist without her. I think it would have crashed long ago. Yes. Um, and I think there's no one else more suited to be at her helm at the end of season four. So I have to go with Michael. Yeah, it would be a disaster because she's a light to so many people. So I feel like yes. if she died, which actually, shockingly, there's really no prime Michael death fakeouts. I think that's no. really something interesting to talk about, yeah. too. Ashlyn, I'd really love that answer. I think Michael, Michael is the glue as well. Yeah. And it's 
yeah anyway um, the glue is you part two (laughs) (laughs) that's it we made the pod (laughs) hope you enjoyed thank you for listening (laughs) to Oh my god. Okay, well first, so I'm going to read the episodes, and then Rihanna, after that, I do want to talk about Michael and her lack of death yeah, fakeouts. please. But before any of that, um, we have kind of a complicated situation here, folks. Yes. So, um, death fakeouts, turns out, it was a little bit complicated with Discovery. So we have what I'm calling the half fakeout section. <laughs> and so that's what we are starting with. And when I say half fakeout, I mean like prime Lorca. A lot of people are faked out that he returned, but he didn't actually. He's actually really dead. Um, Mirror Lorca, (laughs) even. People (laughs) think he's dead, and then he comes back. Um, Mirror Michael, people think she's dead. You get the the point I'm going with. Um, Mirror Dorjo. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of these half fake outs where half of the character in one universe or the other is actually dead but the other one is like trading spaces and confusing everyone so we're gonna have a little a really fun section talking about all of this we basically watched all of season one (laughs) um for all the half fake outs we watched context is for kings despite yourself saints of imperfection vaulting ambition and what's past prologue and then also just to complicate all of this there's a third (laughs) or there's a god one two there's a fourth death fake out and that's volk um oh yeah yeah don't forget volk Volk. (laughs) and so his whole like timeline with the death fake out is really crazy and long and so for volk we watched the butcher cares not for the lamb's cry which i hate that title so long (laughs) whenever i think like man our podcast titles are too long i'm like at least they're not as long as As the butcher butcher cares not for the lamb's cry yeah Yeah. god um and then we also watched the wolf inside and then after that we're going to be talking about saru with an obol for charian and then Gabriel Burnham with Red Angel and Perpetual Infinity, followed by the whole crew in Magic to Make the Sanus Go Mad. Then Book with Coming Home. Colbert also with Despite Yourself and also Saints of Imperfection. And then we are going to end with Grey with Forget Me Not and Choose to Live. A great list coming up. A really wild time we've had here. So, okay, but yeah. Every other single series that we've watched, there's been, if not one, multiple death fake outs for the main character. And so I feel like, you know, I kind of talked about in Enterprise, we were at the end of an era, you know, the Rick Berman era is over now. Um, These death fake outs, the majority of them are really long. (laughs) Like it takes episodes for these characters to return. And so this is something we haven't really seen so far um in the death fake outs and also the fact that michael does not really have one i will say sure in red angel she was dead for like a minute but mm-hmm. no one like grieved and mourned and yeah. it wasn't like an emphasis on her death so i didn't really mm-hmm. want to put it in here but um yeah what do you think about that rihanna how does that impact the show not having seen michael like actually die <laughs> Um, I think Michael's got too much on her plate to be dying, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think she's already got the mutineer status, like, that's sort of what starts, what we sort of, the beginning of the series defines her character as, 
And then she grows into that and becomes Specialist Burnham. And then it's Mirror Universe time, you know, and then it's season two, which she's the Red Angel somehow, you know. And so, like, yeah. it's really, I think it would be too tricky or too much for the audience to handle to have her death be in this because these death fakeouts are really emphasized. Like, besides maybe ma- magic to make the Sadist Man go mad, these ones are, like, really for a reason and very impactful in my opinion and so I think that like if you're gonna do a death fake out it has to like have a really good punch and Michael's already had enough punches I think and like as a main character she also has that plot armor we were talking about with Archer (laughs) so I don't know It's, it's just very interesting what do you think Ashlyn? I think that's a great answer and what I'm also hearing from you is that the writing is better for discovery (laughs) oh absolutely (laughs) you know like everything is done for a reason it all is planned out and has a purpose and I totally agree with that these deaths are not um they're not quick or like these deaths are not pointless I guess I Mm -hmm. should say or like the fake outs are not pointless um Mm -hmm. yeah wonderful answer Rihanna it's just it really is interesting to see like in original series I think Kirk had like six fake outs or something you know which Mm -hmm. does cheapen it but I or I should say were some really special episodes they were some really special episodes yeah and I think it Michael has so much plot armor anyway I wouldn't believe any death fake out that comes her way you know yeah 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 (laughs) I mean she jumped to the the freaking future if she can survive that then i'm like she's gonna be fine <laughs> she's done all kinds of like actually crazy stuff and has survived yeah. which she threw up at a wormhole like yeah <laughs> it happens well and yeah. i mean we're gonna talk about magic to make the sinners go mad she does some really like risky stuff yeah um so risk is her business <laughs> yes <laughs> clearly <laughs> kirk hasn't made that speech yet but she's already she's thinking already it, it. <laughs> yeah yeah and doing it yeah 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 ashlyn thank you for posing that question it's really interesting yeah thank you um, I should say you're welcome. Yeah, you should. <laughs> so, okay, I'm very pumped to talk about all the half fake outs right now because it's yeah. so, like, confusing. Yeah. And it really made me test. We're, we're like, six episodes into this, this series, Rihanna, and it oh made me continue to test, like, how do I define a death fake out? <laughs> yes, I know. It's so insane. I appreciate that. Agreed. Okay, so here we go. We are going to – I don't even know how to start. I think let's just start at the beginning – so, so first of all um Giorgio dies prime Giorgio for sure she's dead the Klingons ate her like she's not coming back I don't know why you had to mention <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's out here just <laughs> dropping tragic facts <laughs> anyway but continue. yeah so she's she's gone she's not coming back and then enter Lorca now real Lorca prime Lorca I should say mm-hmm. so as not to be biased towards our towards yeah. another universe mm-hmm. um even if it's a xenophobic one yeah really bad one <laughs> um prime Lorca died on uh a ship disaster the yeah the Baran he's always like I can't let the Baran happen again <laughs> yeah. that's his like like his mantra his like the stargazer like it's always the captain's past ship haunts him haunts them um literally with rios too mm -hmm. so yeah he had a disaster on the brand he did not survive so that's prime Lorca. he's dead he's gone so we have two dead prime captains we also have prime michael obviously she's fine so 
enter mirror Lorca. And so he takes the place, obviously, of prime mm-hmm. Lorca. Um, Let me survive the beret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, something I thought was interesting is that he fir- is first introduced in the series the first thing he does to, when he talks to Michael is explain the light sensitivity and how his eyes are messed up and that's why he has to have everything dark and, and suspicious and mysterious. Yeah. And also, I noticed that he was eating a bunch of fortune cookies on his yeah. desk. And Rihanna, so in our villain series, we talked about how Lorca is just like in love with destiny and yeah. he really has such a big ego that he thinks I'm the one, like the I'm the main character of the whole story. And so the fact that he was eating fortune cookies on his desk like shook me. And he said, yeah. "This is an old family business. Like I used to make fortune cookies in my past." I was like, "What the what what what, what? is going on?" The yeah. what? Yeah. Yes. This setup is so cool, especially when we get the reveal at the end of the series or the end of the season, and Michael is. Michael is putting it all together from what Mirror Giorgio is telling her. Empress Giorgio, I should say. It's fascinating. Yeah. I, I just love this beginning part. It's so much better, like, as you said, like, rewatching it now, knowing everything about Lorca. He chooses Michael because she is an available mind, but we know it's because he has this whole relationship with her. Yes. Um, in so oh, many, creepy. so many ways. And he is able to get her on board because of her, like, curious mind about the spore drive. When she sees Mm -hmm. that, she's all in, you know? She's like, okay, I can be an outsider on this ship. Like, thank you for giving me a second chance. Yeah. So that's all context for Kings. And then, so I guess we should jump then to... Uh, oh, I and I also want to mention, um, I love Admiral Cornwall. She's awesome. Yes. She pops up a couple times in season one, mostly to talk with Lorca. There's <laughs> that scene of them where they hook up, mm-hmm. and Lorca's like manipulating her into thinking that he's fine and doesn't need therapy. Yeah. I'm very surprised that more people have not stepped forward and said, Lorca, I can't believe you survived everything yeah. that happened. You know, it seemed like he had to do a lot of like cutting through red tape. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and I also, there's no details, I'm sure there are online, but I don't know about any details that have to do with what, like, when the Baran exploded and then right. when he showed up. I don't know exactly. if it was years or months, but yeah. it seems so questionable that anyone would let him back into a captain's chair after this. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so I think now we have to jump to Despite Yourself, which yeah. is an absolute record here on the podcast because there are four death fakeouts <laughs> in this one episode. Sure, some of them are half fakeouts, but like people are being faked out no matter how you look at it. So yeah. first of all, um, we have Ash Tyler, who I'm just going to start introducing Vogue. We're just going to weave them all in yeah. together here. Ash, he's been captured in the Klingon prison for seven months, and that's since the Battle of the Binary Star. So the entire mm-hmm. war, he's been tortured. He's been um, assaulted constantly by Lorel. He's been, mm-hmm. like, having the worst time ever. So I'm going to pause and say, so before Despite Yourself, I want to jump to Vogue's episodes. Mm-hmm. Um so everyone just hold on to your bootstraps because yeah. we're going to be flying around a little bit today. Um, but uh, in the episode, um, the butcher cares not for the lamb's cry. 
Um, this whole this whole episode shows the dynamic between Vogue and Laurel, and she kind of like is allied with him, and then she betrays him, and then yeah. she's allied with him again. Um, Cole, this uh, kind of rival Klingon, shows up and basically takes Vogue's crew out from under him uh, because he brought some food, <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> like Vogue's whole crew was starving. Um, and so basically they say, okay, you're not really the torchbearer. It's clearly Cole. Like you can't accomplish what we want you to. So we're banishing you to the Shinzo, which is really like shameful because the Shinzo is where Takuvma, Takuvma died. Um, and so Laurel finally reveals that she's actually working with Voke the whole time. There's just two lines that are the death fake out for Voke. And that is, he says, what must I sacrifice? And she says, everything. And so all the other Klingons assume that he died on the Shinzo because he was marooned there and, like, Mm -hmm. he probably couldn't survive, you know. Except Laurel is the only one who knows this. And so their plan (laughs) is to graft Volk into Ash Tyler, essentially, like, transferring his consciousness and making his Klingon body, like, fit with the human body. So all the organs are, like messed with and the bones and it's just like an like crazy awful procedure um it's called the choha like man just sounds awful awful bone crushing is what is how holber describes it yeah god awful um and so i just want to bring all of this into despite yourself now finally we'll go we'll proceed with the four death fakeouts um, because only 10 minutes into this episode, Ash is getting triggered um, from the procedure that was done to him. He's, he's, it's because he sees the Klingons. He's like in the shuttle looking at the, looking at like Klingon remains and everything. And it really triggers the visions of him having surgery and like getting tortured to the point that his hands are shaking. He can't complete like a really simple operation that he's been assigned to do. I mean, he does it in the end, but it's like rough going yeah it's really rough um and so he's like consulting colber he's like what's going on and colber's like are you experiencing lost time because you need to not be working but yeah. he ash completely shoves this away and he talks to michael multiple times he says i'm fine it's all good don't worry about it the thing is this is also the episode where they have um jumped to the prime or jumped to the mirror universe <laughs> And so Ash is thinking, even if I could get help, there's no one to help me here because I'm in the mirror universe. We don't know what's going on with Starfleet. Like, there's no Starfleet. Um, And so he kind of feels like this is a situation where I just need to push through. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, he ends up killing Colbert in this episode right in front of Stamets, who can't even see because he's, like, all spored out Mm -hmm. um, in the Mycelia Network. It's an awful, awful scene and like so brutal because he just like snaps his neck and yeah, like like it's nothing. It's awful. It's awful. It's terrible. I hate watching this episode like because of that death and how brutal it is. And even worse for Ash is that he doesn't even remember doing it until the mm-hmm. end of the episode when he's realizing that he actually is Vogue. Yeah, exactly. And then that's when Vogue is like that's when the death fake out is confirmed because Vogue comes <laughs> Vogue's personality comes through ash yes and he, he attacks michael exactly and there's even a scene in this episode where um weirdly <laughs> randomly michael and um michael and ash are meeting up with some people who are rebels against Giorgio, empress Giorgio, and um it's a group of species that are all working together led by Voke. 
And so once again, if a double appears, a death fake out is near, guys. How wow. many times do we have to say it? Um, yeah, so we have another Voke. And he's, it, I thought it was really interesting um, because like Voke in the mirror universe is trying to unite the species against the humans. But Prime Voke believes that they have to stay as pure Klingons. And his whole thing was like remain Klingon is what he always chanted. And so yeah. Ash, because he is Voke, he was like, how dare you go against my like purist mentality? Um, and I just thought it was crazy that in the mirror universe, like oh Voke would be Completely like such mirror. a homie, you know? Yeah, so cool. Yeah. Oh my god, that is so fascinating. I love seeing literally these mirrors <laughs> look uh, looking at each other. Yeah, exactly. That's why they're all half, these fake out deaths. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so then at the end, there we go, Vogue's alive, Ash Tyler is destroyed. <laughs> um, <sighs> it's very sad. So that takes care of one death fake out. Um, the other ones that happen, so they, they prep Tilly to be Captain Killy, um, everyone's in their mirror outfits and Captain Connors, you guys might remember him mm. because he died early on died. In, in the first episode. So when the crew sees him, they're shaken like, oh my gosh, it's Connors. He's alive and he's captain. Everyone in the mirror universe thinks that Lorca and Michael are dead. And mm -hmm. so when he sees them he's he's faked out and he's like oh my gosh you're actually alive <laughs> um they are able to explain away their deaths by saying like no we just like had to go into hiding that's why michael yeah, like, haven't been communicating yeah michael's like you just assumed i died and that's what i wanted you to think yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um and so really that so that's that for the for the fake outs um i will say that also in the next episode um well, so at the end of, I'm kind of combining Despite Yourself, The Wolf Inside, and then going on to Vaulting Ambition, um, Lorca's able to come clean that he's actually the mirror Lorca. And so he his crew is faked out because he's like, wait, you're actually alive. And also Michael has like confided in Emperor, in Emperor Giorgio and said that I am prime Michael. And so she's like, oh man, my Michael's dead, that sucks. Oh man, you're, you're prime, or that means uh, this is really prime Lorca, not Mirror. And then she finds out, no, it is Mirror Lorca. Yeah. Um, and so Giorgio's like even more faked out, like yeah, privately. Yeah, really, both <laughs> times. She's yeah. like shaken. She keeps her composure though. Exactly. But so, uh, and then also it's kind of a fake out for Michael and the whole crew seeing Empress Giorgio because like yeah. that was their beloved captain. Obviously, they know it's not Giorgio, but it's got to be, like, hard to see. Yeah, everyone was saying, like, prepare for, or I think um, Lorca was saying, prepare to see yourself or people you might have lost in this other world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I just thought that episode, Despite Yourself especially, was crazy because we had Mira Lorca and Mira Michael faked out, and then also Voke, and also Colber which we'll talk about later <laughs> for his yeah. return so oh my gosh. but all this yeah. time like like that was really like a serious death that was I, I couldn't believe I was so angry when Culper died because so far Discovery had actually been killing characters that I really liked like George o. yeah and like the security officer who just like dies early on and 
Like yeah. even people I was just wanting to get to know they were killing off. And so to have even less stability was really frustrating at this point in the season. Totally agree, Ashlyn. I'm excited to talk about that further. Yeah, what a wild time. I, yeah, just <laughs> too many characters to keep track of and whether they're <laughs> prime or, or, or mirror, <laughs> it's just, just a lot to deal with. Well, I just want to thank you, Ashlyn, for doing this whole expedition into the mirror universe and these death fake outs because it is so complicated. And so thank you for breaking it down like this. Oh, I had so much fun, honestly. I'm like, a, yeah. if there's ever a trivia um, death fake out somewhere, I, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh gosh. <laughs> let's, let's, so let's move on to some more personal ones i suppose yeah yeah let's do it random mirror ones Mm -hmm. (laughs) this of course is saru's episode an opal for chiron or Mm -hmm. something and he starts out with what what we think is a cold and what he tells everyone is an illness like he's just like oh i'm i have probably the flu or something and they're right in the middle of collecting the spear data. So, of course, as is usual in Discovery, everything is very complicated. And so it's hard for Discovery personnel to take care of their own personal health. And so he's <laughs> walking around all, like, sick. <laughs> he looks so Translating rough. for everybody when the you know, Universal Translator goes haywire. He is incredible <laughs> and helps uh, calculate the spear data with Michael. But at this whole time... He's realizing, no, this isn't an illness. This is Vaharai, but he shouldn't be going through Vaharai yet. Yeah, the sphere had sped up the process for Saru's Vaharai to begin. And this is something that he has talked about before, which is the Ba'ul do a culling when the Kelpians enter Vaharai because the Ba'ul had spread these lies about Vaharai being a like the time of death for Kelpians because they would go mad and have this terrible illness when in actuality if you pass through you just lose your threat ganglia and become like more evolved and you level up and it's just you know amazing that Saru is able to survive this but anyway he's the first to know so the Ba'ul had been you know of course ruling over the Kelpians for so long that the Saru discovering this in this episode is really cool. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think what a beautiful death fake out. Um, this this one's really interesting because we're kind of foreshadowing everything that's going to happen on uh, Kaminar through yeah. Saru's grieving process over, oh my gosh, I'm dying. I have so many regrets. Not like too many regrets, but I think his biggest regret is that he wasn't closer to his culture and wasn't like representing his culture because he'd kind of been sucked into the, like the Starfleet life, you know, where he was just all about being the best officer, trying to blend in, not so much stand out because of who he was because he's the only um, Kelpie and that's got to be really hard, you know? Um, Totally. So he's having a lot of regrets, and I think it's really special that Michael is there with him at the end of his life, and he chooses her to cut off the ganglia. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking also about how this is obviously, like like what you explained, Rita, this is a tradition where like they know that everyone's going to die, and so how great is it for Saru that he gets to choose his friend yes. to end his life rather than like the Baowul who are terrifying and keep them submissive, you know? 
absolutely oh my gosh it's such a different experience and this episode is so tender like I love the scene between them is so special because they'd have their bumps a little bit along the way in season one obviously once Michael uh, became a mirror and um, <laughs> all that stuff and so Saru was a little bit salty with her in the beginning of season one but they've grown so much together and Saru has as well and so I love that it's also the both of them to figure out that the sphere data is just trying to reach out to them and not trying to be hostile. Yeah, exactly. And I also, Rihanna, we're going to have to talk about this. Do you think this is a sphere death fake out? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's why it's reaching out. Yeah. It's because it's at the end of its uh, life and the end of its existence and it has to try to give its knowledge before it dies and discovery is the closest yeah, I, I because the planet, the actual like physical sphere itself explodes. Um, you do think, and even Michael has a line where she's like, "Oh, um, I didn't write it down." Um, where she says, "In its last act, the sphere transferred all of its knowledge to us," and so everyone's yeah. assuming that the sphere is dead. I, I mean, the physical body is not around, but judging off of what happens in season three and four with the sphere data sphere data continuing to modify the computer into loki like a consciousness That's what I was gonna say Zora. it's it's a really exceptionally long death fake out where the sphere yeah. like actually gets a consciousness out of death oh my god totally it's just incredible that this is the episode where because I or that the sphere data is able to give Sprue this gift as well you know and I think that because this the sphere data has the knowledge of 900 no so many more years no a hundred thousand yeah <laughs> I was thinking about the future has a hundred thousand years of knowledge um obviously it knows the Kelpians go through can go through Baharai and stay sane and whole Saru gets to experience that via the sphere data and they also get the gift of its knowledge and the gift of Zora, which is like so cool. And yeah, I think it's a it's a way of coming back to life. I mean, artificial life, you know, there's always if there's a the tiny positronic brain cell left, then it's all you need. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As Bruce Maddox would say. He would he would love that line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so there, there we have it. That's another two death fakeouts. I just want to shout out Doug Jones in this episode because, I mean, his acting is always amazing, but I just, I don't know, I thought he was really exceptional in this episode. Um, talking through, like, that scene with Michael is is mm. just amazing, too. I think um, you all should go back and watch it if you haven't seen it in a while. Like, it's so powerful. It's so good. Yeah, Sinequa Martin-Green also, the, the way the two of them interact together is so fantastic. Like, their on-screen chemistry just like their friendship is so powerful yeah uh Sinequa, the whole watch through i was like shaken and oh, reminded yeah. about how amazing she is as an actor mm -hmm. yeah fantastic yeah oh my gosh and i'm glad saru's back because as you said saru's the glue <laughs> yeah see this is my thing is like i have a hard time like you're saying with the death fake outs in this show and I was like, if they kill Saru, I might quit. Like, I don't, never thought about quitting a Star Trek show, but, like, there are some characters that, like, you just don't, or you just shouldn't kill off, you know? Yeah, and this is the thing, like, because Discovery has killed so many random people, mm -hmm. I 
was sad and shocked that they were killing Saru. I don't think I was quite as attached to him as you were at that time, Rihanna. Um, I really like hop on the Saru bandwagon in season three, personally. He's so amazing. It still would be so surprising to have a first officer die this early in a show. Yeah, that would be devastating. And devastating for Michael, and it it would be hard for her to go on after that. It'd be hard for me to go on, so. Yeah. (laughs) Glad he's good. Well, I think since he's fine, we can go on, Rihanna. Yes. (laughs) And I think let's go on to, oh God, Gabrielle Burnham. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So we've talked about this episode in various podcasts in the past, various series. But I think that I'm, I'm so, so glad we get to talk about it from this angle because I've always wanted to talk in more depth about the scene in I believe it's perpetual infinity when Michael wakes up and see and is in sick bay and she's asking all these questions about her mom and like I just there's something about that scene that just sells me on Sonequa Martin-Green even more like I'd already loved her since episode one you know but it was so clear to me like I could just relate to that so much and everyone can, you know, and I'm so glad that Gabrielle's okay, but it's, this whole scenario is so tragic. I think that this is the best reaction to a death fake out that we've had so far on the series. You know, it's not Riker like stopping the the trombone and saying, Jordy, there you are. You know, like (laughs) Michael is feeling every single emotion and you see it so plainly. She's like, blabbering like stuttering um you know she's Mm -hmm. almost like a child saying like no she died you know like it's Mm -hmm. so um, amazing her reaction and i think it would be very realistic if you found out that your mom is alive after you thought since you were 10 that she was dead um and she's asking pike and saru like is my dad alive too like questions yeah like at that point she's so not an officer you know like she's Mm -hmm. just pure michael and she's like yes just wants to see her she's in disbelief and i think it's a fantastic scene i totally agree rihanna i'm so happy we get to talk about it yeah and this is her coming back to consciousness after being like heavily irradiated almost died she did die for a minute (laughs) yeah she had her own death fake out um that they had planned for Colbert had had ready to like revive her but still very very dramatic seeing that it was her mom oh my gosh she's just so amazing i i think that like her freaking out is just so realistic and beautiful the way it's done and so we get the explanation through the logs that um michael has given that catch her up on the years that she missed it's good that she gets these logs because she gets to see how it happened and gets more like scientific explanation that the red angel suit they were constructing sent gabrielle into the future 923 whatever Mm -hmm. uh years into the future and she's stuck in that point you know and it shows that no sentient life exists and she keeps trying to go back to that point where the klingons killed her husband and um michael fought her and so yeah it's just really tragic that like this is how they connect again and especially with Gabrielle being so distant to protect herself uh it gives Michael a really difficult reaction and like a really tough reunion for the both of them yeah really tough reunion but I think it's it totally makes sense um Gabrielle herself has had hundreds of Michael death fake outs 
um yeah. and probably like universe fake outs where mm-hmm. because of the work that she's doing to alter the past although she doesn't really think about time as being linear anymore yeah. um but all the work that she's doing to help michael's future and therefore the future of the universe is absolutely essential and we've called it out in other episodes but like there wouldn't be star trek without um gabrielle um so she in my in my head she joins the ranks of harry kim and Catherine janeway who work tirelessly to make sure that everything goes right in order to get the future that you want but she pays an even higher price because she actually remembers all of the time that she spent working on this every single Mm -hmm. failure um which i think you know it really changes her um in season three and four michael has like regular mom access so they finally get to see each other more at least once a season and um i i think it's it's interesting that the the biggest difference is that she does remember everything that she went through yeah and that's just takes so much strength and fortitude and i'm glad that she has the co-op malat to like guide her way because i would need some guiding and she said that Javini had guided her when she came into the future for good yeah yeah exactly so thank you gabrielle yeah thank you I also just want to throw in that, like, just to add to Michael's pain, like, just she just found out in Red Angel that Leland was the reason that they were there, stationed on the oh planet. Oh yeah. um, And so, like, the fact that they were murdered by the Klingons was like his fault, and she'd been blaming herself this whole time. Mm-hmm. So, oh, it just adds another layer to Michael's pain. Totally. Yeah. But <laughs> at least she has mom access. Yep. Exactly. And I'm glad mom's back. And also, I, I just, before we move on, I just want to say I I love where she talks about how I've been there with you. I saw your, the white dress that you wore at your graduation. Um, mm-hmm. In my head, she, like, helped save Spock from Aichaya, you know. Yeah. Um, she saw future Spock yeah, and shook exactly. his hand. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, like, she's been there every step of the way with Michael, and so – um, that's kind of like the dream, you know, like the people we think we lost are really like with us all the time. And absolutely. in Michael's case, it's absolutely true. Oh, I love that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Gabrielle remembers everything. This is a crew that doesn't remember any of their deaths. <laughs> yep. We were talking about magic to make the sanest man go mad, a pretty normal title for Discovery. Yeah. Um, and this is, of course, with the amazing rain wilson playing the formidable hardcore benton mud (laughs) (laughs) yeah so (laughs) this one is cause and effect with a like humor element question mark this is cause and effect with harry mud absolutely yeah (laughs) you're right yeah humor element is harry mud (laughs) especially (laughs) in a show that's so like like serious it's really nice to have these episodes to lighten everything up I, like one per season <laughs> yeah exactly well and this is i can't remember how many loop episodes we've covered now rihanna but i love the loop episode premise um yeah. one of my favorites and this crew similar to like the tng crew they really work together well to get out of this time loop and i think the fact that it's all because they have to rely on each other and their interpersonal relationships to do it is yeah. why it works so well absolutely and especially we have the stamets element like there's always the chaotic element who helps figure out the time loops or sometimes it's just beverly crusher (laughs) who's just a genius or data (laughs) 
Three. Yeah. <laughs> Three. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes fresh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think that's brilliant. Like, this is, I think, I mean, I, even though Jane Wayne didn't get, there wasn't a particular time loop, there's still, like, that amount of comfortability and amount of, like, trust you have to have in a crew in order to successfully get out of these like time shenanigans that happen to Starfleet crews and especially when it's someone like Mud who is causing all of this it makes it even harder to get out of it but I just love that like you know they rely on each other say Michael's like tell or Stamus is like tell me something you've never told anybody you know and so then it, it allows him to know or allows her to know right away, like, this Stamets is telling me the truth. It's just so smart. Like, I love that they have these ways of assuring each other that, like, this is real and this is what we need to do. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that literally, literally the fate of Discovery hinged on the fact that Michael make this connection with Ash. If she didn't make him believe that they were in a loop it probably like they would never have escaped and mud would have gotten away with it in the amount of times that he needed like Mm -hmm. um because um stamet said multiple times he tried to approach ash and say hey this is happening and he never believed him any time and so i think it's really great that michael is forced to take this risk and to say that she likes someone and it's it's just such a like smart and cute way to develop their relationship and you know, despite all my thoughts about Ash, I just love this episode so much. I love seeing Drunk Tilly. I love the yes. space whale. The Gormagander's amazing. And how yes. Lorca is just like, guys, I'm not a nerd. I don't care about the whale. Yeah, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, I don't care about creatures. I'm for the mere universe. <laughs> 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 Screw those whales, you know? So it's just like, yeah, I love that Saru was like, space whale. <laughs> yeah, so it's a fantastic episode, but you are right. We mentioned earlier, Michael makes some Jurassic moves here. Jurassic Park. Jurassic da, 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 da. Jurassic, Jurassic moves. moves. <laughs> uh, to get things done in this episode, including swallowing this really terrible, what is it, like a gemstone? Like a torture, torture gem, death gem. Death gem that death, like a death makes rock. you burn from the inside out or something. Uh, mud sense it's one of the most painful ways to die, and, and he found it in the captain's man cave. <laughs> yeah, what? Like that should be a hint that Lorca's bad news. Yeah, he just keeps these in his like ready room. Are you kidding? Yeah, it's terrifying, and the fact that Michael stares him down as she's dying, apparently a very painful death, and like her expression doesn't change. I'm like, that is the most badass way to die and she did it because she knew that like he would take the bait she said i'm more valuable than discovery is to the klingons it's so risky so risky risky because i feel like mud is really smart you know like actually he's a very smart person and very clever and can get himself out of situations but he's absolutely blinded to profit um and yeah exactly he's he's very Ferengi so I thought maybe he'd be smart enough to realize Michael's not doing this for Ash like for the reset you know she's got to be doing it for a different reason mm-hmm. um but I also wanted to add that so that's just like really risky you know like she took the fact that she thought she understood him enough to reset it yeah. as chance because he could have just said okay and then she would have died that way you know totally yeah 
Um, no, it's so risky, but she knows people, and this is one of her, like, incredible strong, or this is one of her incredible characteristics, is that she is very in tune with people and how they work, and he's easy to play, Mud is, when you oh, get yeah. him going. Abs- absolutely. Well, and I want to add, too, like, Michael really did have a lot of desperation in this scene, too, because... I think seeing Ash actually die in front of her was really hard, especially because yeah. that was the loop where they had their first kiss. And, yeah. she, you know, she admitted that she'd never been in love. Um, so it was really sad to see, you know, like her her reaction to that. And that's, you know, definitely caused her desperation. I'm just glad it worked out. I mean, it's hard to see characters that we know get killed, even if you know oh, that awful. Mud will probably reset it. It's, it's hard to yeah. watch. <laughs> mostly to watch the others watch them you know like yeah, yeah. I think that's really hard like you're saying with Michael um even just the crew watching Lorca and literally like um Mud said oh I've killed you in all these different ways Lorca like I, I lost count of how many times I've killed you and they do a little montage of like this is like death fake out city <laughs> I know it's death fake out party time yeah <laughs> I love this episode one of my favorites of the first season for sure oh easily um well shall we do a jump to the future and talk about the last episode so far out of discovery which is called coming home boiler city you should already know Mm -hmm. um if you haven't finished season four definitely um pause or skip like 10 minutes Um, (laughs) but uh so this is the last episode of season four this is where book has his fake out death and i was totally tricked by this i totally thought he was dead and this is one of the only i think trying to think uh i think book and saru were the only deaths i thought were actually happening um Mm -hmm. i was i couldn't believe it because this is a finale you know you expect to see a body count of some kind um like some kind of heaviness has to happen in the episode i i thought he was super dead same i was convinced uh, especially because of the way it happened and, like, the time of the episode. I think it was, like, a, the timestamp was, like, a little bit over halfway through. And so, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, this, like... But then I should have guessed, like, if it's only halfway, maybe the death would have been closer to the end. But it's still a finale, um, you know? Like, it's still a finale. Finale is yeah. all about wrap-up. And so, for me, I was thinking, yeah, it's the middle of the episode, but they have all the resolution to do. Once again, Sinewa Martin-Green, I cannot talk about her enough this episode... I just think like this moment where his transporter signal is lost and the whole crew looks to Michael and she just has like this like quiet 30 second cry and then it's like I think it's Reese who says like hey we have an incoming transmission or something um and she's like okay pull her she like visibly pulls herself together and has to like go back and be captain and go and then beam down onto the their vessel and all this stuff it's just insane the things she has to go through in this very scary time yeah i this scene i have never made it through without crying because the camera's almost always on her for that 30 seconds it flashes to everyone in the crew who are you know some of them have tears in their eyes they're all very somber and even the president like puts a hand on her shoulder and is like it's gonna be okay um this whole um i feel like there's also this pressure on the scene because the president had said the entire time if you like because book is involved in this if there's any kind of conflict of interest 
I have to step in and I have to mm-hmm. take over, you know, or Saruta's or someone else. Yeah. Um, and so Michael knows that in the back of her head is like, oh my God, literally the worst thing has happened. How do I continue to be a captain? And she does. And she has almost this moment like when um when reese says like oh there's an incoming transmission she kind of almost laughs she's like oh my god i have to keep going and then she's completely back to seriousness and i just oh i can't get over the scene i just like the emmys were just released um and star trek didn't get any acting emmy nominations at all Mm -hmm. and i i just am so sad that the genre of sci-fi is always overlooked like this um because uh, like Sonequa Martin would get every award that this crew and the, or this cast would just yeah I know well, they even, really were incredible for this finale to all of them exactly I'm just gonna say Stacey even even like Patrick Stewart has not won an Emmy like like historically they don't win Emmys for Star Trek I I hate it here so bad. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like at least they've been winning other categories but it's always like costume design or special effects yeah yeah anyway sad luckily thank god so when michael's down and everyone's talking to the the species the 10th c um thank god they asked why she was sad yeah yeah i mean poor michael she's like quietly grieving while they're having this conversation she's still having to keep going but like it's clear like you can't keep this up for long you know especially a loss as fresh as this and as horrible and so yeah i love that the tensi is like oh my gosh like something like but her but her planet was just saved what's going on um and then i love michael's response is he was my one you know and because that's how they're describing the tensi or to the tensi about their individuality and oh it's so special that then they're like oh yeah we have this dude in our buffer like do you want him (laughs) (laughs) i think they would have asked before the federation left like Mm -hmm. by the way we found this like do you know what it is you know if it hadn't if it hadn't come up then i think it would have come up later but that was so convenient yeah (laughs) um i also uh just want to add a little bit more like context too because um in this episode, you know, Book has been so misguided and had so many problems this whole season mm-hmm. and his choice to go off with Tarka to try to get this um, power source. Tarka was like lying to him basically about it. And at the end, right before he was beamed off the ship, Tarka was able or um, Book was able to convince Tarka that he shouldn't do this, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was also really important for the viewers to see, too, that like because because it was you know i even like talking with uh my husband about this season like you see a lot of his flaws in this one mm-hmm. and so people i think could easily say like this character is not good enough for michael like she needs to like get out of here it's good that he's not coming back but i think the fact that he had this redemption at the end and he's working together with reno um personally i love book and i know he's just going through a hard time but Same, i yeah. thought it was really good to show that um he was actually finally thinking things through despite his grief he was able to 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 keep going so i'm just so glad that they're reunited yeah i couldn't i couldn't believe that they brought him back rihanna and what do you think about the impact of bringing him back versus leaving him dead for the rest of like for next season well i i don't know i have like a problem with them killing him in the first place Mm -hmm. you know i think that like it it 
this death fake out, it's not long enough to leave an impact in the way, like, in for me, but of course for Michael, it's like even more something to add to her, add on to her plate, essentially, and add more trauma to a character, and I just, like, don't know if that's, like, what Michael needed and what this finale needed was for all of us to be freaked out that this character that we're just seeing, like you said, redeeming, coming back to the light side, you know, like, and, but, and understanding Tarka more, like, things were starting to really solidify, but you're right, it was a finale, and so I know they wanted to do this, but I don't know, for me, I just felt like it was a, a little bit, like, I was so scared that he was dead, but I'm like, can we just not have this in the first place if you're just gonna bring him back so quickly? Um, I just, I'm really glad they didn't kill him off permanently, though. Like, I'd much rather have this, like, quick death fake out than have him be gone, because I think he's a really wonderful character. I think that David Aja is, like, freaking incredible, and as a person in real life, and as an actor, so, yeah, I'm very happy that he's alive, but I don't know if it was necessary. What are you thinking, Ashlyn? Yeah, I, I, for me, this was a really controversial death fake out, because I felt like it would have been more impactful from a story perspective if you left him dead like you're talking about like give michael <laughs> another trauma mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but so i have similar but different reactions to what you were saying rihanna like i'm glad she gets a break because michael doesn't need that doesn't need to go through mm-hmm. it but i think it would have remained one of the i mean it is still one of the best scenes in star mm-hmm. trek but I think it would have been so much more impactful if that was actually how he died and it's kind of like a Wrath of Khan moment, you know? Yes. Where you're like, oh my gosh, this like incredibly sad moment happened at the end of season four. Um, yeah, true. I, I just think I would have liked to see that, you know, like keep him dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I really wonder like what they're going to do with him um, mm-hmm. next season. I, yeah, I, I agree. I could have done without this death fake out. I think also it kind of sets the precedent that maybe the bridge crew from now to the end of the show is unkillable. And mm-hmm. I True. haven't really felt that way with Discovery yet. No. So it makes Whoa. me, I don't know. It, it makes Whoa. me, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Like everyone does survive, I guess, but I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Absolutely. I just, yeah. So, I, I yeah. Hmm. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I, gosh, I do, I love this episode, though, and I think that, uh, yeah, I'm glad he's alive, because also I think that Michael deserves to find love and not yeah. have it be in a tragic story. Totally agree. Yeah, she deserves true love. Um, yeah. At the very end of the episode, when they're hugging and Michael sees that he's fine, I was thinking about the line in the third Harry Potter movie where Harry says, Professor Lupin's had a really rough night. Yeah. Because that's Michael, too. She's had a really rough day. Really rough night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Yeah, that reunion is, like, one of the better ones, too. You know, we're just, like, the full embrace. Like, you're saying she's just, like, just Michael in this moment, you know? And it's really beautiful. I think also I'm seeing a theme with all these death fakeouts that when Michael's there, when the, to find out that the person's alive, it's just a better scene. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. Same thing with Saru. She's just so genuine and feels so realistic that you can't mm-hmm. help but feel the joy with her when she's finding this out. Oh, so true. Oh my gosh. That's why I get emotional every time. Oh yeah, same. All right, well, we are down to our last two. Um, finally, in season two, we have the return of Dr. Kolber, 
and that is in the episode Perpetual Infinity. This is the episode where Tilly gets trapped in the like spore world um, in the mycelial network and kind of Tilly does fake out too because people I think Michael thinks that she's dead but Stamets is convinced that there's a way to find her um because she vanishes like in this goop in the cocoon cocoon, (laughs) it's rough yeah she's had a really rough night (laughs) yeah she's had some really this is episode five of season two yeah so we're halfway oh my god so this is what makes me I just want to backtrack a little because Colbert has now been dead for like over six episodes six or seven i feel like yeah and i was like eight episodes this eight is episodes. this is the eighth one that he comes oh back my God. okay so i was just like i don't know i think in real time watching colber die and not even getting a reaction in time like stamets of course was out of it and then it takes like half an episode for anyone to even discover that he's dead and I feel like this is just the worst way to kill somebody and the worst way, like, to, to do that to a character. And I just think it's disrespectful. Like, I don't know, I, I'm going to go off a little just because I was really mad at the time and especially being, like, a queer person and being someone who, like, wants to see a non-tragic queer story was just so sick of it and so irritated that they're killing off Culber and they're killing off Judzia Dax and like all these like queer coded and Colbert the thing is is he's not even queer coded like Stamets and him are clearly out and everything and so it just made this even more painful and sorry about that siren I think it's on my end it's been going for a couple minutes but it's because you're in an emergency Rihanna and um, they're coming (laughs) to uh, give you some cold compresses for your yeah. your sadness for my cold for my sad gay heart yeah, yeah. <laughs> these yeah. scenes are really tough for me the siren is annoying but yeah anyway that's sort of my rant it's just like i remember watching this with you ashlyn in our old apartment in sf and it was just like i think we did genuinely take a break after all of this was going down and like Col- when colbert was that di- when colbert was dead and like it just feels to me, it felt like he, no one grieved him, and I was just kept wondering, why isn't anyone talking about Colbert? Why have we all just moved on? This is not, like, an episodic show. Like, who gives you the right to just, like, not talk about him, you know? And so I felt really gypped, and then to finally get this, and then we get a lot of really good Colbert-centric episodes, and, like, more about his form, like, the repair of his relationship with Stamets, and then, like, start things start to really re- heal and everything, but this tragedy in the first place is just it just really frustrates me i think that there's too much going on and i've noticed this with a lot of new trek especially with picard like sometimes there's just too much going on Mm -hmm. and they can't give the attention to detail that they need to be giving um i think colba really got the short end of the stick because you have a major character death and honestly he dies in um wolf Wolf in the wolf, wolf in the fold, I think. Um, <laughs> I think Jack the Ripper kills him. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, Name Wolf. Yeah. yeah, Wolf inside. Um, and inside. this is the essentially like it's all a finale from the end. Like I, I, in True. my head, all of the stuff that happens in the mirror universe is one long movie. You know. Oh, totally. Um, even when they're back in the prime universe and just like going about their business it's not like things are back to normal because they have found a way like 
they think that I found a way to end the Klingon war, which is to explode Kronos. And so right. that whole plot, like True. the Klingon I war, it's tacked on in the end. Yeah. It, yeah, it's kind of shoved in there at the end. This is what I'm talking about. There's too much happening, and so mm-hmm. Colbert was completely glossed over. And we see Michael's reaction when she finds out that Colbert's dead, killed by her lover. Um, yeah, and he tells her because Saru refuses to. Also, they just finished doing it too, like. And so, like, awful. Michael... this whole thing is awful. I'm like, Saru did not judge that correctly. No. Um, so, yeah, totally, totally dissed. And no wonder Stamets doesn't want to come back at the beginning of season two. Yeah. I would not even have got on the no. discovery, like, Absolutely if my not. husband died on the ship. No. Absolutely not. I'm not coming back. I'm saying, see you later. Yeah. I'm at the disco with McCoy. Literally. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the sad it, disco. The sad disco. <laughs> yeah, get the blue lights. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, Stamets's Stamets' form of grieving here is, or no, no, sorry, I, I was thinking it was it was really interesting or real. Sorry, okay, it was really hilarious when they find Colbert in the mycelial network and he like runs away and Stamets just takes off like yep. he is nothing like oh I'm gonna go chase you no he's like boom and I just love that he's like I will find you and chase you and I will get you out of here and they're able to find a way to get him out of my serial network he has had a horrible horrible last what eight episodes <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> like we don't even get to see this we just see that he's like had to cover himself with tree bark to protect himself from the mycelial which like mycelium uh, which when it like burns his skin when it lands on him and so yeah it's just so we're resolving this plot with May and Tilly but it's also finding Colbert so I don't know how did you feel when Colbert came back like do you remember watching this the first time yeah I do and I couldn't believe it um especially because I, I mean I talk about Danny a lot but like my husband he does not keep track as much as I do, like, who all the characters were. So when Colbert yeah. came back, he was like, I've seen that guy before. Like, where is he from? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. He's, like, a big part of the first season. Yeah. So it I, it was really surprising and completely out of the blue, I thought. Like, totally. how random for this to happen. But also, how great. Because now, like, Stamets is going to have his partner back. I know there's, like... They're, they have some issues because yeah. they both have some trauma they have to work yeah, out. of course. Interjet um, Reno. <laughs> Interjet Reno, yeah. But um, I think it's ultimately a celebration that he's able to come back, absolutely. And I think he makes the crew better um, totally. having him there. I also just want to mention that we do see him in the Mycelial Network with Stamets. When Stamets is trapped in there, he thinks that Colbert's just like a, a dream or, you know, like yeah. a consciousness or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's able to get like some love from him in the network, but ultimately he doesn't take it seriously. And so I, I think that's so interesting. I don't, mm-hmm. I had no idea that he would come back. Not a clue in the world. Not at all. No. Um, turns out like his body was made by the mycelium. Yeah. And... He, he fresh. <laughs> yeah. And like a, a fresh body. Um, yeah interesting science weird stuff that star trek doesn't explain okay well rihanna that's a perfect perfect transition because (laughs) to me the most mysterious death fake out of all is gray talls and i'm just gonna say right now there's no explanation (laughs) 
trail magic. What do you mean? There's no explanation at all <laughs> to how Gray is alive. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a Picard thing. You know, it's a new body. This is this is new trick, new body. Okay, I don't not, know. I'm not even talking about that part. Okay, let's well let's let's talk about this plot and then I'll yeah. I'll start the fight. Okay. Um so <laughs> in uh choose your pain which i also loved seeing this episode because last time i feel like every time we've watched it the past couple series it's for like the crew fight you know where everyone's grumpy on the um during the dinner and they're fighting with each other and so it was really nice to not watch that this time and just watch all the trill scenes wait not choose your pain right choose to live no choose your pain did i really say yeah. choose your pain i was like that's a clean episode <laughs> choose your pain <laughs> okay and i even didn't even reference the right one so i'm talking about forget me not um yes. and then he comes back and choose to live okay oh my gosh just ignore me so in forget me not um adira is taken to trill because adira has no memories at all and they have to go to Trill to figure out what's going on. Does the um, does the symbiont reject them, or is it all gonna be fine? And because Adira is a human, it's even more complicated. And I also just love seeing all the racist Trill, like in the beginning, because oh they're, they're like humans are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like really. <laughs> I just it's just something really satisfying because at the end of the episode, of course, they're all like, "We're so sorry, we were dicks," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's right, you racist. You better open up your mind." <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised by this, just because I'm like, "Don't you all have symbionts in you that like have interacted with other races in their past or other species in their past like lives?" I don't, know, I don't know, but 900 years is a long time, so maybe mm-hmm, they all have, true. like, 20 hosts, and the hosts are just, like, fighting, you know, yeah, to be heard. Yeah, I guess Judzia was only, like... Like, eight? Seven or eight? Yeah. 100 years. Yeah, anyway, so... um, Yeah, so this is just... I love this episode because we get to sort of see more of Trill background. We had one episode, and one episode I remember, at least, in Deep Space Nine... I think it's just called Dax, <laughs> where she goes to the home world. But, and we see the troll pools, so it's really cool to see them updated here. And the effects are really cool and all of that. But it's just, again, we're dealing with another, like, queer, tragic backstory. And I'm just so sad about it. also want to say, you know, like, I'm glad that these characters do get a redemption because I think that Discovery is good at sort of like flipping things on their head and so maybe they're gonna do this death but that means that the queer couples can live and thrive you know and not have to survive in the trope of the tragic queer story or coming out story and so I was just really I'm really glad that they are alive both Colbert and Gray and so that like they all kind of develop this queer found family which is my favorite trope (laughs) and so that is really nice but this episode again is just like gut-wrenching i cried i cried and i cried again like oh my gosh so tragic the scene where dira made the quilt for gray um Mm -hmm. and then after the accident adira is using the quilt to like stop him from bleeding out you know yeah like so tragic and also just right away i love gray so much like He's an, such an awesome character and very charming. Um, 
And so it's really interesting that throughout the whole rest of season three and and for part of season four, he's just a like invisible friend to Adira. And so Rihanna, this is what I'm talking about is like every other trill when there's a symbiont like being passed, there's, it's not like Jadzia had Curzon like next to her the whole time. Like this is not, this is not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is crazy. And so I, on this rewatch, I was like, oh, there's probably, like, some science explanation I missed um, to explain why Grey is there. And every time it's brought up, Adira's like, I don't know what's happening. And then Grey's like, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) And then, like, Colbert's like, I don't know what's going on. And it's like, (laughs) so, but, like, the the scene, so, um, but until they're all, like, down on the planet, trying to figure out the source of the burn at the end of season three that is uh that's the first time that gray is actually seen by saru mm-hmm. and dr Colber, like people other than adira so it's confirming his consciousness is still there yeah so there's just no explanation and honestly like i'm kind of fine with it you know yeah like okay gray's just like hanging <laughs> yeah and i'm wondering like is this maybe a side effect of a human taking a symbiont? Because that's never mm. happened in the history of Trill, which is crazy. Or at least it hasn't. Or I guess they've like looked into it, but never thought it was possible. But I think it was... It's kind of like, you know, Harry Potter is always explained like, oh, your mother's love protected you. You know, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, Adira's love for Grey protected them and they protected the symbiont. And so it became this symbiotic relationship because they completely like accepted the tall symbiont yeah and i think it's important too that when gray was laying there dying adira said you know because the the medics are floating above them saying like this the symbiont will survive an immediate um like fusion transfer (laughs) um yeah. yeah immediate transfer but the host will not and it's like 20 seconds of silence and then gray is just like well i guess i'm dying then and mm-hmm. adir is like i'll do it and so i think like the symbian knows that yeah um like you know is aware of this and um i think their love like you said is just like that strong um yeah. that's a really big thing to take on and adir does it in a heartbeat i also just want to like add that they are teenagers you know oh going gosh, through this yeah. and like it's hard as a grown person to go through death and like tragedies but as a teenager it's like i can't even imagine like this is probably their first love um like for either they're both experiencing love for the first time so this has got to be so insanely hard and so it's really great to know that adira is being comforted and constantly like with gray for all of season three at least you know (laughs) so true and they were orphans and they grew up on the generation ship and so that is a huge bond like they literally grew up together you know and so that is i think even more strength to their bond and true magic i love it it's magic um i already talked about it but just that finale um where they're on the um planet with the with the kelpian who made everything Mm -hmm. explode um oh man i've been like really especially treated in this um death fake out episode because i have got to see 
all three of the hottest people in Discovery. And of course, like Lorca, he's looking fine. Captain Pike <laughs> looks somehow even better than he does now. Not even than he does now, but like because I know him so deeply from Strange New Worlds, I'm extra like excited to see him. And then yeah. we get to see human Saru and oh I just I about collapsed. About. <laughs> I knew she was gonna thirst after human Saru for a bit. <laughs> I love human Saru. Oh my goodness. He's oh, just man. so gentle and he's just like so human. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. It Apparently, was amazing. Doug Jones. Yeah, oh my gosh. Apparently Doug Jones was like, I was so worried being out of my makeup that no one would think I was a good Saru and like but we were like, No, we loved you. Yeah. <laughs> we mean? love a human Saru. Well, and I wanna say too, it's so cool because when uh when Grey is getting a host body and everything in Choose to Live, I love that like or oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That also, um, Ian Alexander, who plays Grey, was able to have some say in, like, their wardrobe and everything. And I think that is just the coolest, you know? Because then it gives them a chance to, like, be, have a little bit of their personality into this character of Grey. And I think that was extremely special. Yeah, I was remembering you saying that on a previous episode. And I always think about how amazing Gray's hair is throughout all of this. Like Trendsetter, I think when we had Mm -hmm. Julian on um, from Strange New Pod, he was saying that too. He's like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, like how does Ian Alexander pull off a mullet? (laughs) Literally, it looks so bad. It looks so so good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Also, I was going to say, there's a fantastic TikTok Trek talker, uh, Cottagecore Trek, and they make like incredible cosplays and they just made a, a gray one and I'm like obsessing over it. So you all should go check it out. Yes. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. The episode where gray finally gets his body choose to live. I cry also because yeah. um, Ian Alexander does such a amazing job acting this scene as well. They go through the emotions. It's like similar to what I was saying about Sonequa Martin Green. Like the emotions are so clear on their face and I really understand like what they must have been going through and especially because I feel like Grey and Adira's storyline kind of got pushed to the side especially in season four Um, definitely and so it's really nice to have these spotlight moments on them and then finally they get to be together as a real couple yes like go golems you know like I love these like once again like only epic Star Trek characters get new bodies. Colbert, yes. Gray, Picard, Spock, you know. <laughs> it's incredible. The the joining the synthetic body squad, like we love to see it. <laughs> we really do. do. We do. Especially because there's this uncertainty in the middle when the um, the host body has been trans or the host body has been made, the consciousness has been transferred from Adira's mind to the new body and gray and they and adira can't feel gray anymore and so they're freaking out and i think even colbert is a little bit worried and so that's concerning to me you know i was also freaking out um because z the guardian had said like there are risks for this and i love that gray is totally fanboying over yes z. like i want to become a guardian like tell tell him i'm so excited you know all this stuff and so 
you know, the stakes are growing because you know this character. And like you said, Grey is someone you instant, I just think everyone loves. At least I just love absolutely Mm -hmm. right away. And so then we get this beautiful talk with with Culber and Adira as they're waiting for Grey's consciousness to come alive in the body. And... (laughs) Culper is essentially like, if this doesn't work out, like, don't forget you have your family here, you know, and this is just the kind of stuff I'm loving, like, the healing and, like, the way that this family is able to stick together like that is so cool. Well, and who better to guide Gray through this experience of having a new body than Dr. Culber, you know, like, built-in daddy, you know? With, like, you know, struggled with similar traumas. I mean, he literally says to Michael, like, you also have lost everything that, you know, and, and uh, Adira would understand that, you know, and so, like, we have these people who are connecting through their experiences and, like, growing together. It's so beautiful. It's and so beautiful. I love Gray's reaction when he gets his body. It's just absolutely fantastic. Like, like their acting, Ian Alexander's acting is so good in all moments, but also in this moment especially, like, just feeling for the first time again and getting to hold Adira and everything it's just it's beautiful having a physical body is really amazing and you know I I was thinking about the Argonians and the animated series episode we just watched on our Patreon and um, the orbs you know like even once you ascend past your body it it's not all it turns out to be so (laughs) just like good for Gray for holding on to this physical form yeah exactly absolutely and um, I love that they, like, or I love that then Culver comes in and they're, and they all sort of get this beautiful reunion and actually Culver gets to actually hug Gray for the first time and Gray's so cute about it and I love that then Adira asks, like, how are you? And Gray says, I'm whole and I'm home thanks to you. <laughs> I'm like, ah, crying over here. My, my gay heart is happy again. Yeah, I love it. I yeah, love it so great. good. Um, all of these death fake outs, for the most part, had pretty happy endings. Yeah. Which I like. I'm having a different feeling from Enterprise, where we were just sad. Yeah. <laughs> the last Moping episode, with the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I think yeah. Once again, I'm just reminded about how amazing Discovery is as a show. Wrap right now. Everyone's wrapped up in Strange New Worlds because it just came out. The first season ended a couple weeks ago. Tomorrow will be the second Thursday without Star Trek. (laughs) In nine months. We've had nine months of glory and now there's no new episodes. Um, But Well, at least Ashlyn and I can rewatch some Picard for next week's Death Vigo. Yes, exactly. Exactly. We're going to get to that golem we've been talking so much about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be a short one, folks, but we've had some shorter ones for the Death Vigo series and... As we always say, it ebbs and flows, and we'll be back to our regularly scheduled three-hour episodes in no time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just you wait. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Ashlyn, thank you so much for being just an amazing host with me and getting to have these discussions. I especially love jumping into Discovery. It was so wonderful to talk about all these incredible characters, and... Picard is coming up, and I'm going to be ranting more, so everybody get ready. (laughs) I already see the rant building in her eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Rihanna. Um, It's just great to be here, and uh, great to talk about Star Trek with you. So I can't wait to do it again next week. Woo!
Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the seventh episode of our Death Fake Out series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the people who died and came back in Picard. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, and especially our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, and feminism. If you haven't heard a particular series, please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. She is the. Do you hear that man yelling? <laughs> what is he yelling about? What's he okay? Me, my dude. I don't know. There's a lot of weird students nearby. Weird students. She said, "You okay?" And then <laughs> shut the window. <laughs> like, I don't care. Okay. Hope you're good. I got her pod to make. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. Um.